Good evening. You're listening to Three Moves Ahead. I'm Len. I'm your host for this week, uh, joined by our uh, returning regular panelist, Rowan Kaiser. Snap! <laughs> uh, we're also happy uh, to welcome back a friend of the show. Uh, you may know him as Chef Lubu or the anime for Southerners guy, Brian Smalley. Oh, snap. <laughs> and uh on i believe his three moves ahead uh debut we have from the acts of the blood god podcast among other things eric van allen shiny logo <laughs> <laughs> and uh if those introductions uh didn't uh didn't tip you off we're talking about marvel snap the new uh free-to-play mobile card game um featuring characters from the marvel universe that it seems like everybody i know is currently playing uh, it's uh it's it's kind of kind of a little bit of a of, of a phenomenon it almost feels like you know this year's um pokemon go except nobody's going outside because it's cold and also there's still a deadly virus um yeah Rowan, why don't you what? kick us off <laughs> <laughs> are you sure can we get a check on that? Someone, uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would, you would, you would, you would, uh, you'd hardly believe it. Uh, you see how, how, uh... Hold on, I'm gonna check the CDC, because if there's okay. a plague, the CDC is gonna be on top. Right, yeah, and also, tw- it would be on Twitter, you're not allowed to lie on uh-huh, Twitter. Uh-huh, oh, wait, uh-huh. hang on, I'm, I'm getting a message that you are actually allowed to lie on it's Twitter. freedom now. of speech. Oh. Yeah, it's called comedy. It's allowed on Twitter again. Right. It's back yeah. Now. Which li- lying about a deadly virus mm-hmm. is is comedy. So yeah, comedy. that's allowed. Yeah. Um, Rowan, why don't you kick us off? What exactly is Marvel Snap? Uh, Marvel Snap is like a collectible card game. Uh, it's from one of the guys who made Hearthstone. And I feel like the best way to describe it is it is to Hearthstone what Hearthstone was to Magic the Gathering. It's like a mm. super simplified, much faster variation of uh, that uh, collectible card game. Build a build a quick deck. I think there are 20 cards or maybe 18 cards. Uh, and then play a game that lasts two minutes. Uh, get like a couple good strategic decisions in there and you're off to the next game. And... Uh, it's got some very clever little components to it that I think make it stand out even beyond being like fast and uh, having good production values. Um, it's you're playing in like three different lanes and you just have to win two of those lanes, uh, which allows for a lot of strategy about like kind of uh, deflecting enemy in your opponent's decisions to go into the wrong lane or shifting all your cards over one lane, that kind of thing, changing your focus or just moving the cards. Uh, that's wh- one of the big things that stood out to me instantly was how how many strategic decisions were a lot more interesting because of the, the three-lane model. Mm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Another major thing is that each of those each of those lanes or zones is like a location from Marvel continuity, and they each have different little quirks that might slightly change the game or completely change the game. Uh, there was one for a while called Bar Sinister, where if you played a card on it, uh, then it would automatically clone that card four times and do whatever that card is supposed to do four times, which is just completely chaotic and a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, 
I think it also does a really good job at going into the kind of overall Marvel uh, deck of heroes and villains and coming up with interesting things for each each card to do that's not just like super generic. Uh, like if you play Cyclops on the X-Men, uh, all the X-Men get a bonus. It's always more interesting than that. And I think we'll talk a lot about that as we go on. But those are the three things that I think stand out to me about it as as being especially fun and interesting as someone who kind of burned out on Hearthstone and a few other uh, mm. collectible card game type things. Yeah, so... The I think the component that that you have that hasn't been mentioned yet um, is the actual snap that it is named after, which is actually my favorite part of of the whole mm, thing mm-hmm. because basically, uh, yeah, for winning a match, you you get a, a certain number of cubes. Um, generally, it's it starts out that there's like one cube in the pot, and then um, if it goes all the way to turn six, it it doubles, so it'd be two normally. Um, you can also retreat, which is actually encouraged, which is very interesting. We'll probably talk about some of the psychology behind that. And if you retreat before the last turn, you you only lose one cube. Um, but then at any point, you can snap, and that doubles the pot, in addition to the doubling that happens on the last turn. And your opponent can also counter snap, which means there can be up to eight cubes uh, potentially up for grabs um and that is what i think for me really elevates it above something like a hearthstone um because it's actually like possible to climb the ladder just by being really good at like the snap Mm -hmm. meta like being really good at knowing when to retreat and being really good at knowing when it's safe to press your luck uh you can win like less than half of your matches and still be net moving up the ranks yeah, the this the cubes that you get from snapping are like determining where you are on the competitive ladder, what what rank you are that goes from zero to a hundred, or I think it goes from ten to a hundred once you get through the tutorial. Um, so this is this is the way that you kind of progress and say I'm better than other people at this game. Right. Um, yeah. I think th- I think there's some serious issues with motivation in this, but we'll get to that when we get much later in the show. I think. Well, it's an interesting thing that the the ranking system does because it basically takes the concept of a ranked ladder and turns it into poker chips, right? So every yeah. time you have to play a new hand, you have to ante up in some way. There is investment that you're putting on the line when you go in. And a lot of ranked games, League of Legends and stuff like that, do that where you are kind of risking your LP going up or down but I do think the anti-up option, the ability to almost kind of bluff your way out of a bad hand can work mm-hmm. really, really well. Because I've had moments where it's turn five and I draw something and I just hit snap right away because mm-hmm. I don't even look at what I'm drawing. I want my opponent <laughs> to see that a draw yeah, uh-huh. has happened and I've immediately snapped because right. now they're going, oh, God, what did he draw? What did he pick up? Is is it onslaught? Is it like Heimdall? Like, what's he doing over here? I'm out of here. I'm keeping my cubes. And I'm like, you sucker! I drew sunspot. Yeah. Like, I got nothing. <laughs> it's great. It's great. And like, I love, I love, like, sort of the attitude that can be implied with like when you choose to snap. Like, I'll watch someone play 
domino on bar sinister and be like you're bad at the game snap like (laughs) (laughs) you've shown me you don't know what you're doing um so it's turn two but i'm just gonna go ahead and snap because i know i'm gonna win this anyway there's Uh, there's some people just snap every time they start oh yes the turn one snappers are my favorite i love then they spam the thanos emote like come on come on let's play for all the chips and i'm like Mm -hmm. no the um there's also a burden of knowledge right on the player which is i guess to 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 draw another comparison from things i learned playing league of legends in that the bluffing only works so long as your opponent doesn't know the decks and doesn't know mm-hmm. the cards right mm-hmm. if you're turn five bluffing and you play a card i'm not afraid of you if you're turn five bluffing and you don't play a card on turn five and you snap <laughs> <laughs> now I'm now I'm fucking worried. Now yeah. I'm like, if not, this motherfucker's got 20 points. Do I have 20 points in hand? I'm good. I'm gonna retreat now. Because there's so few cards that can answer infinite if you're only up one lane. And and so or even if you're just like one and one with an empty lane, infinite that turn five empty play is, is scary stuff. Um at the same time, you know, I just wanted to say that it's great to be back here talking about things that come in three, uh, three kingdoms, three lanes, three great lanes, <laughs> all the best mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. Um, you know. But uh, but it is it, the the cubes are great, three and point I think it's hospital. smart. What's that? <laughs> three, three point, point hospital. hospital. <laughs> three point. <laughs> three point turn. Uh, yeah. Three pointer from the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but but it is it is one of those things where it's like I think it's incredibly good that it, the game is like this is the mode that the game plays in. It's the anti up mm-hmm. mode. It's the rank mode. It's the cube mode. There is no other mode. Snap is this. This is snap. That means that people don't get hung up, hopefully, on the concept of ranked as the place where people who are sweaty go to be sweaty versus the the place to play the game. Right. I, I'm fine with them adding casual testing matches for friends. But I don't want like a casual queue because that becomes its entire own problem. And I just want to be able to continue to to play the game against people who are trying to win. Like that's nice. When the MMR system works, when your ranking system is functioning right and you're sitting at an at a at an ELO or an MMR that is correct for you, and you're still being able to grow and like fine-tune your deck, that's the mode I want to play. I don't want to play the mode where nobody gives a shit. Mm. Yeah, it's so it's interesting because one of the big conspiracies with Marvel Snap has been uh, like people theorizing about are there bots? How many bots are there? And like, how do bots work? Um, That like none of this has been confirmed by the developers. I feel like I can spot them um, because they have. It's generally just like some random first name, like it'll be like Mark or something, and then they make really dumb plays on purpose. Um, if you are Mark and you are just bad at Marvel Snap, then I'm sorry that I, I thought you were a bot. But how it ties into the matchmaking is that like it's not like a zero sum thing. They are, I think, talking about adding like a ranking, like a leaderboard for people who get to infinity, which is the highest rank at some point. Mm-hmm. But the way it works right now, it, you can you can kind of keep climbing the ladder without like knocking other people down necessarily. Like it's built in such a way that if like if you're good at managing your cubes and you know you're good at you have a good deck and you know how to play it, you should 
I think the idea is you should eventually be able to hit infinity um, because it is sort of what's going on in the background is not exactly that. Oh, only the top 1% of players can be at this rank and then only the top 10% can yeah, be I, at that rank. I'm confused about what you're, what you're describing. And I think it might be useful <laughs> to describe the meta, the meta progression systems of this game, because there are three or right. four of them. And I think this is this is the opportunity for growth that this game has would probably be the nice way to put it. Mm. So what we've yeah, been talking, talking about, I'm is, talking about like the gold, silver, me, yeah, platinum. Yeah. Yeah. What we've been talking about is, I think, the least interesting of the, the meta progression systems, which is just simply your your personal ranking, your where you are, your, your MMR. Well, it might not be your MMR, but it's the. Uh, where you are on the ladder of what what level you're at, and uh, mm. it goes up to a hundred. And every ten every ten ranks you go up, you get a special reward, which might be like five hundred credits, which is the core game currency, or you might get like a card back or something that's you know kind of cute, kind of kind of nice to have, but doesn't really change the game in any mm-hmm. particular way. Uh, so that's one way that you're you're trying to like climb the ladder. It's competing against other people, but it's also competing against yourself. Like, okay, I got up to 42. Let's see if I can get to 50. What if I switch this deck? What if I practice with this deck a whole lot? What if I do these things? So it's, there's a lot of internal motivation there, or at least there should be. Uh, the second major progression system is the uh, kind of your overall level of progress. The collection uh, level. Yeah. The yeah, the collection level. Um, so when you finish a match or when you accomplish something you in the game, you might get boosters. These boosters uh, will allow you to upgrade a card if that card has, uh, if you also have the credits to upgrade that card. Um, these upgrades are purely visual. They just like as... As Eric said earlier, they make the logo shiny. They make the, the card. Frame break. Infinity. Break. Yeah. Uh, so the, these cards, like, they get shinier. They get more cool looking. You you know, you kind of focus on upgrading your favorites because you're more likely to be using those, getting the boosters, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That collection level goes up a certain amount for each rank of that, which is the main progression in getting new cards. So you take your, you know, your Jessica Jones and you upgrade her to uh, the 3D or the shiny logo and you get uh, four or six collection levels. That'll take tick you up to another chest. You open the chest and, oh, hey, it's Hobgoblin. So now you have Mm -hmm. a Hobgoblin to mix into your decks. And uh, this is the main way that you feel like you're getting further in the game, uh, that you're competing with people who might have dropped... Uh, an invisible woman on you and you've never seen invisible woman before. You've never seen invisible woman since. Where did they get that card? That's amazing. I want that card. Um, I wish someone would drop an invisible woman on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's how you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> simple man. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so this is, this is like the main way that you feel like you are getting new stuff. Um, and, you know, playing a free-to-play game, especially one with the entirety of Marvel Comics characters to work with, getting new stuff is one of the most motivating things. 
there's also daily quests and kind of weekly quests that uh, both get you credits and they will progress you down the season pass progress thing that is mostly just neat stuff like this month uh, we're finishing off a Black Panther centered one where uh, you know you buy the season pass you get a Black Panther card and you can get various like alternate versions of uh, some of the the Dora Millage characters cards you could get a Black Panther uh, back to the card deck uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty neat little stuff I don't know but that's also a progression that you're doing that's a motivator to log in every day and say, okay, I have six daily quests. Let's clear these out, get a whole bunch of credits, maybe go up a rank in the season pass thing. Uh, cool. I have done I have done stuff that makes me feel like I have accomplished things in this game. Um, there's also events which are completely bullshit and uh, yeah. <laughs> really need to be fixed. Oh, um, no, no. I I will go to bat for breakout events. I, love okay. I thought you were going to go to bat for the collect four random shit fucking pictures and then maybe get an avatar because that shit's whack as fuck. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't care about those. But the, the events are the things, events I'm talking about. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about where the locations are like. Not, oh, not no, hot those are yes. hot spots. Those are hot spots. Are different. Wait, what are, is there another tab in this game I've never yeah, opened? There, the there is in, in the news tab. <laughs> oh, who who looks at the yeah, news tab in a mobile game? You would never game? find it. You would never find it. Like, this is a great example of how bad the events have been thus far, though. I think this is a great example yeah. uh, in that events are hidden in the news tab in posts that aren't necessarily the newest post and aren't featured in any sort of I would say remarkable way. And they are uh, just like you click on it and then it sends you to a little pop up and it says, Oh, you've played 15 games and you've collected 20 vibranium. You can trade that in for a gotcha roll to get a icon of a spear. And if you get four spears, you can upgrade it to a pixel avatar of a character you'll never use. That is I wish okay. that that was an exaggeration. Yeah. I'm a simple boy. You use I got Scott when you Summers. Get long. No, I got you... Scott Summers, and that's all I'm rolling forever. It's I'm Cyclops. That's it. <laughs> it is. It is like it is the most in, uninteresting, le, uh, most thin level of what I would call an event that I've I've had in a video game in a long time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, those those are things that. I feel like could add extra spice and are not exactly mm-hmm. adding extra mm-hmm. spice now. So when we talk about like how the snaps get you cubes, those cubes are only worthwhile for progressing up the particular ranking ladder, which I feel like I in both seasons that I've done, I get stuck at a certain point, can maybe go two or three levels above that and I don't really have a motivation for trying to go further. Like it would be nice to get to 50 and get 200 credits or whatever that is, but that's really difficult to actually do since I don't know what I'm doing wrong and I'm still getting plenty of credits just by doing my daily quests. So there's a weird way where you're kind of playing this game at, as a single player game where you get your daily quests, upgrade your cards, get a new thing in your collection, and then that's neat. Congratulations, you've got Captain Marvel. Um, but what does it all end up adding up to in the end, I think, is uh, the next major question that they have to answer because they have the 
the regular game down really well. I think mm. we'll we'll probably talk more about this, but an individual match of Marvel Snap is usually quite fun. Like I would say, eighty percent of the time, they're they're very entertaining. Uh, but I don't know why I'm doing anything other than playing the daily quest for most of the time uh, at this point after playing this game for five weeks or whatever it's been. Let, let me put two ideas forward here. Uh, the first the first one's a quick one. And it's just that I like that what Second Dinner has done is basically divorce a lot of the gameplay progression from victory and from the idea of winning or losing there are sometimes Mm -hmm. you get quests that are like win x number of matches but more frequently you get quests that are like win a location you know win a location with four cards and you have to do it 15 times and you clear the quest or win win a location the the one i'm stuck on is win all three locations in a game which i'm going like "Ah, that's kind of messed up that's (laughs) like the hardest that's the hardest ultron or dr doom type quest yeah Yeah. but or the kzar onslaught deck it's a very like Fortnite thing to do. It's why like Fortnite, I think, is very successful is because Fortnite loves to put in quests that just have nothing to do with actually getting a victory royale. And that's why people will be more likely to hop into those matches because they're looking at it and they're going like, oh, I don't have to like get in and win a match. I just need to like play a bunch of three cost cards. I've got a deck that's got a bunch of three cost cards in it. This will be easy. I'll play like two matches. And, and that at least gives you some semblance of moving forward every time you hit the play button. Uh, but the other thing is that uh, one like kind of obfuscated part of the collection level progression that I don't think they explicitly explain anywhere in the game. You really only learn this by doing research online, but <laughs> the idea of pools and yeah. you start out in pool one and it's basically a set of cards and you're going to unlock those sets of cards uh, in a randomized order from level however it is to like i think it's 147 or something like that is where pool one drops off but you will get all the cards is it like 213 it's somewhere it's somewhere in like the high hundreds low 200s something like that you get all the cards in that set real quick to quote bimbro they're called series not pools so (laughs) yeah he's this information if this information conflicts with official information (laughs) that is because the community vernacular says pools uh-huh, the official uh-huh. the official documentation says series. I just want to make sure people understand what we're talking about. Sorry, Link, Ben. Link, well, we should list. be descriptive, not prescriptive. We yeah. we are a pod of the people here. And, I'm, not, uh, I'm not I'm not the the bourgeoisie. I'm just making sure everybody's on the same right. page. Um, no, but I I think that stuff is really cool because number one card unlocks are what get you going through a lot of this i mean even in the higher levels where i will say it gets a little bit frustrating how long it gets to card unlocks when you get to pool three or series three because those are like what six six levels apart eight levels apart something like that it's it's really they get really up high. to 12 levels apart pretty 12 levels apart like yeah six to 700 um, um it's it's a i lot. actually have found that i'm still getting new cards at not quite the same rate, but a pretty good rate. But I also drop twenty dollars on this game, and if I get stuck without a daily quest, I'll just use the gold to grab some more daily quests and get the credits and keep going. I've, uh, I've right. yeah, I've I've been stuck. I think I got four or five boosters in my caches in a row, which feels incredibly bad. Especially that the game said that there's some sort of pity system, and I'm not. Yeah. I'm I have not seen that pity system. I that that pity system doesn't exist for me apparently. 
right. yeah, the series well, three drop stuff they really need to to take a look at. Yeah, because sure. the first two funny. series you'll unlock everything. I think it's mm-hmm. once you get to like rank five hundred. At rank five hundred, everybody has all of the same cards. But then series mm-hmm. three and onward, it becomes like a twenty five percent chance to get a new card, or yeah. you might just get yeah. currency. And then series four and five that they're adding are. 2.5% and 0.25% respectively to get cards from that series. So there are going to be some that you really are going to, it's going to take a long time to complete your collection. Yeah. Which I think is maybe one of the larger bummers because I was really enjoying, there's something about when you're playing in pool one or series one, series two, where you're kind of seeing these deck metas start to evolve and you start to notice things that other players are doing and respond in kind so you start to see a lot of people uh run really good one costs and you're like ooh, time to put electra in my deck right or or you see people start to really rely on combo heavy decks so you start to go oh maybe yondu cable these cards can kind of mess with my opponent's strategy and then you're running a lot of one costs now and you go oh Kazar, Kazar loves one cost. Let me put those in. And you've just made a zoo deck. You've you've been naturally taught how to make a zoo deck. And there's something yeah, about the progression in this game and the way they dole these cards out to you. I, I they they teach you how to play this game in a way that I think is really impressive. Uh they give yeah, you those guardians cards early so that you're trying to think about how the opponent plays and play in kind. They give you Quicksilver so you can learn that Quicksilver is a bad card <laughs> and should be immediately I dropped out of your deck. Still play Quicksilver. That's probably mm. why I'm stuck in gold. I still play Quicksilver Domino mm. <laughs> just for the mm. momentum, which I've seen the math. I know it's bad to have them in your deck, <laughs> I mean, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can be good for the momentum if you've got a deck that will take advantage of that well, but by the time you get into Series 3, there are so many other buffs that... But it just, it feels bad not to play a card on turn one. Oh, I love not playing a card on turn one. It's that moment of, like, sitting back and being like, what do you got? What are you putting down? No, I'm not playing anything. (laughs) What What do you do? You 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 play Sunspot on turn one, and then you play Infinite on turn six, and that's it. And that's it. That's (laughs) all you (laughs) play. I've lost to that like three or four times. That is a brutal loss uh, when it happens. You're just (laughs) like... This this slow, slow death. (laughs) Well, Uh, the, the other thing is the matches are so short that like... Even if you get taken for eight cubes, it's like, all right, well, that didn't feel great, but it was two minutes of my time. Mm-hmm. You know, you get you get so many reps in that, like, you're going to get better. Like, you might not get better really fast, but you're going to get better just by the number of games that you're playing. I did want to mention this because you brought it up is the time factor. And, and we said it earlier, right? Oh, it's two minutes a game. It's three minutes a game. And then. Six days in a row, I find myself in bed at three in the morning, still yes. playing Snap. Yes, it is. It is an alarming uh, amount of time that gets invested into this into this game, and I'm just like, eh, I'm here for it. Let's it play. It is the exact opposite problem. So, shout outs to the game that I think honestly reminds me the most of Snap, which is not Hearthstone. And it's not even Gwent, even though if hard, like Snap has a lot of Gwent in it. Uh, it's Artifact. I am the resident Artifact okay. defender. Artifact was a good card game, but it took 30 minutes to play a damn Artifact match. And sometimes I don't have the time for that. And it's so cool to see so many of these ideas here, but also like 
boiled down and condensed and modified and evolved and turned into this snappy, fast card game that you can play on your phone in bed at 3 a.m. with a YouTube video on in the background, not sleeping. That's a not really that good that way to go night. on a losing streak. <laughs> no, I've... Mm, Okay, last night's results do uh do prove that. However, on the whole, <laughs> I think I'm up. <laughs> I mean, I was playing it right after heart surgery, so I was high as fuck and mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh I don't know that I actually did well, but it was good at distracting my brain while I was in the hospital, so I do find that late at night I tend to play more of the so I have multiple decks. Obviously, we could get into some of the meta decks uh, here in a moment, but uh, I do find that depending on my mood, I I drift towards different decks. So if I want to be really methodical and careful and precise, I'll pick a move deck or I'll pick uh, my ongoing deck with onslaught and and claw and stuff. But if I want to just it's late night and I want to roll the dice. It's discard time, baby. Let's go. I'm going to put some <laughs> cards down. Blade's going to get something out of my hand. Is it apocalypse or is it something I don't want discarded? Who knows? Let's find out. <laughs> like, I There's so many different ways to play. And I do love that there's kind of a, a deck style for every mood uh, by the time you get to like pool two. Can we all I, agree that move decks are just the worst though? People that play them are awful people. Move decks are great when other people use them and they're terrible when I play them. (laughs) The the people who are actually bad people who are making the game worse for everyone are the ones who play what Ben Brode calls a butthole deck, which is like Yondu, Cable, Cosmo, like... I've got one of those. All All cards that just stop your opponent from being able to do anything fun. I call are, it the, it's it's no fun for you the deck. Yeah. Um, that deck is that deck is fun sometimes but honestly it loses pretty often. It is not like a powerhouse deck. Um you know, there's a lot stronger decks. That deck is funny when like Spider-Man blocks a lane then Professor Xavier locks it up. But the reality is is that that deck is so low power that if you do not have the exact um draw order to get Psylocke on turn 3 and then start that that late combo, you just lose. You you can't mm-hmm. even recover. Mm-hmm. It, it is a um, very brutal uphill fight with that with that deck. It it is funny when it wins, like it's hilarious. <laughs> um, but it's it is uh, it is not easy to pull off by any means. It's just funny. I I call that deck lol in in LMAO. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my yeah. that's my troll deck, and I don't even yeah. have. Peter Parker Spider-Man yet. Um that might that might add a lot to it. Uh but yeah, it's Sandman, uh Cosmo, Enchantress, all that good shit. Shout outs to Korg. I think Korg is the most yeah. underrated dick of a card that exists in Snap. Korg. Especially when Bar Sinister yeah. when Bar oh. Sinister was there, <laughs> I would drop Korg on it. Her, her, her one and just fill her deck with rocks eight, and eight instantly snap. I don't know if it would work. I love the on Bar Sinister is hilarious too because yeah. like you'll just yeah, yeah suddenly you're bad. Yeah, yeah, your really powerful cards are all like negative power now. So, um, as we're talking about deck archetypes, I want to say another thing I really admire about this game is how much thought has gone into like coming up with effects that fit 
like who this character is mm, <laughs> like yeah they, it's clear they're a bunch of like comic book nerds and like every card's ability you think about it and you're like oh yeah that is like yeah jessica jones she gets stronger if she knows you know the buck stops here and reinforcements mm-hmm. aren't coming you know and like uh, well i would yeah. say she gets stronger if no one's bothering her that's another way to look at it yeah Um, Uh, captain marvel is my favorite of those because captain marvel is like a full powered card uh six energy which is last turn in almost every game uh card she's five energy power maybe six power but her thing is that she will automatically move to a lane where she will win the game for you if that's possible right right Carol Danvers is your your big Trump card. She is the all right. We're gonna drop this on you, and we are going to fuck you up if it's at all possible right now. She's she's the last line, uh, which I think is is like perfect for how that character is used, especially in the MCU, mm-hmm. which is a major influence on this, though it is based on comics specifically. Right. Um, it's it's cool because it's this character. It fits her style and then also intentionally subverts other cards like Xavier or storm who try to lock down lanes by having cards be able to play around those rules. And there's so many examples where I feel like there is a rule that exists, but there is always some sort of weird loophole you can find to get around it and to play around it. And it's a very surprising like language that's being used in this game that feels like it respects the player's ingenuity to be able to use these yeah. cards and think about them outside of just like, oh, this this can do damage to another thing. But no, like, what if you locked down lanes and then used Arnim Zola to destroy a card like Black Panther and pop him up at both the other lanes that you have locked down? You've you've played cards in those lanes by subverting the rules. And that's really cool. You know, Zola and T'Challa would be great buddies. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Of course. That's, that, that's canon right there. <laughs> well, I, do, I do like how some of these cards have really amazing synergies with one another that are supposed to. And some of them are just like, yeah, Lady Sif and Apocalypse, they're perfect buddies. Have they mm-hmm. ever yeah. appeared on the same page in a comic before? I highly doubt it. But if you're playing an Apocalypse deck, you want Lady Sif. You kind of, yep. you kind of jumped in front of what I was going to say there, which was that um, literally it's like, Certain cards are designed seemingly from the ground up to to be <clears throat> interactable, but maybe not in the way that people initially realize. Yeah, and I, I mentioned this the other day, in that the way that the Magneto card functions is directly in contrast to all of the X Men cards, as all of the X Men cards that are just X Men, I think almost all of them fall right within his three to four cost range. And so he has magnetic control over those cards, mm. uh, which I think is mm-hmm. really interesting versus, um, <clears throat> you know, so, so, so something like that, where I think it's like that was a thematic choice, right? Someone said mm-hmm. X-Men cards should be this way. Magneto should be this way. Um, yeah. So so I think I think Another- that thematically the cards are really, really nicely done, uh, even though, yeah, you know, Sif and Apocalypse, they don't make a lot of sense. but. You know, the, they're not all going to be winners. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is a it is a winner in a weird way. There's also winners in expected ways. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite cards for that is Doc Ock, who is very similar to Magneto in that mm. he'll pull enemy cards out for you. Um, and he is like significantly more powerful than his energy cost 
but because he pulls out enemy cards, he's kind of dangerous to use. So like a counterintuitive way to use him is to put him somewhere where like maybe you put down Cosmo. Cosmo stops on reveals from happening. Uh, Doc Ock has an on reveal that pulls out these cards. So now if you've got Cosmo, Doc Ock is just a very powerful five energy card. You can also try to use him against decks that are like trying to fill up uh, certain lanes. And so you see that the, the, your opponent has this lane like already filled with four cards. You drop Doc Ock and there's no problem there. Um, The most fun I had with him though was like, I put him on a lane where the enemy had three cards. The card that he pulled out of the enemy deck was Shang-Chi who instantly destroyed him. And I'm like, I can't even argue with that. Like that's just, mm-hmm. that's just Otto mm-hmm. Octavius's hubris. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. He wins and then he destroys himself. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's lots of fun little interactions like that, that some of them feel like explicitly designed, but a lot of it just feels like you've got an implicit design where these powers are going to bounce off one another in really fascinating ways. And uh, the designers might not even know that this is possible or likely or whatever. And then all of a sudden you get completely wrecked with a certain combination of things that might be the first time anyone's ever done that. Yeah. One of my favorite examples of that was early on when bar sinister fever was taking over. Uh, (laughs) I, I put down, nightcrawler in that spot and the interesting thing about having four nightcrawlers is not that you have four cards that can move but it lets you kind of throttle how many copies of a thing you want in bar sinister yeah so i put i put down the nightcrawlers and moved three of them out and then played iron man on turn five to get three iron men and then pulled the last nightcrawler on turn six to play onslaught there so now i had onslaught and three iron men (laughs) which is a very very silly thing to do (laughs) let me tell you uh the numbers broke out of the the power thing that was that was on the the actual location uh and it's it's fascinating how contained and controlled this game can feel like i think the four cards at a location limit is one of the best examples of that that they were very intentional like this is not going to be something like artifact where you can just spam a board if you want to you have to be careful about how many bodies you're placing and i have intentionally ruined my own game by putting too many bodies in one location mm-hmm. uh but also you can then use those concepts as another weapon to wield you can see that your opponent may have a lane stacked with four cards but it's like a one two a two three and then like two low power three costs even if he has blue marvel maybe you can dump a lot in there and swing that or you can do something like the doc Ock counter where now the downsides of doc Ock are completely they don't matter anymore and it's there's there's so many layers of this game that i really do feel like they were made by people who understand what they were trying to do, what they wanted to achieve with a digital fast card game and had the experience to do it themselves and, and learn from past lessons in the process. Yeah. Yeah. I think another aspect of just like how you conceive of the game, like the energy that you get on each turn where you think you're going to 
be able to put cards where you have flexibility, where you don't. Like like you said, uh, the game teaches you to make a Kazar deck at the very start, which is lots of one-powered things, and then hit Kazar, hit Blue Marble, hit Onslaught, and you're good. Um, so it's like you know that if you have those three in your deck or in your hand, it's a good time to snap because that's those are your last three turns. But then, like, maybe one of the locations that pops is Limbo. That adds a seventh round to the game. Or maybe Mm. the opponent has an Iceman, who I think might be secretly one of the very best cards in the game, who can drop, uh, who just raises the cost of one card. So now Kazar costs five energy, and you have to choose if you're doing him or Blue Marvel. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this just creates these really interesting little, little decisions. But, like, this is the way that, you know, when I was trying to be good at Hearthstone, people would talk about that game. Like you're trying to control each round. You're trying to get, you know, a monster who's going to defeat another enemy monster, try to make sure those things happen. And like, yeah, I sort of understood that, but it wasn't that exciting. Whereas this mm. game just sort of automatically falls into that. I know how this deck works. I know if I pulled this card in the first three turns, I've got a really good chance. I know if I don't do that, I'm going to have to come up with something different or even just retreat. Um, and a move deck is a great example of that. Uh, like you can build a move deck around human torch. You can build a move deck around multiple man. You can build a move deck around vulture, but if you're not getting those, and if you're not getting multiple man buffed, and if you're just kind of like throwing down a craven here or whatever, it's not going to do too much for you. Uh, and like, it really helps teach you to like, see the game in that very specific strategic fashion if i can tell an anecdote here um i (laughs) i was playing over the holidays i I met up with family uh and there's this game that we've played ever since we were young that our grandma learned and taught to all of us uh called liverpool rummy where uh it's it's kind of like rummy or phase 10 if you've played it before where everyone's trying to complete certain sets of cards Uh, You're going around the table, uh, you pick up a card, you discard one, people can buy a card. So if they see something on the discard pile they want and they're further down the line, they can say, I'll buy that and they can pick it up. But that means that they have to take an extra card. And since the goal is to eventually empty your hand and get out and you gain points, which is bad, (laughs) higher points is bad for you. uh, You are kind of playing this interesting style of play where you were trying to do your own thing while also maybe trying to mess up what the other player is doing i think hearthstone and games like that frequently focus on direct aggression between players where you are trying to destroy the other player destroy their cards destroy their life points and everything you do is outward facing in that way you might be trying to set up combos and stuff but that's in the goal of eventually reducing their life points to zero by having Marvel Snap focus inwards on you are trying to create power at different locations, uh, granted a high enough power to beat your opponents, but still just the best power and the best combos that you can make with what you have in your hand. There is that little bit of gray area where you are playing your own game while also interrupting the other's game that I think makes Marvel Snap honestly a little bit more appealing to people who don't want that just direct in your face aggression. It's it's not as heavy of a PvP game where you feel like you just got bowled over. Instead, you're kind of like, oh, you know, my draw was bad or this synergy could be better. Like there are things that are more apparent to you that you could then improve on. 
Yeah, but I think a game like Hearthstone um, was a game that I was constantly frustrated by, and a lot of that was just that people would take forever to take turns, which happens a little bit in this game. But it's also just it sucks to lose, and this game doesn't really suck to lose. It's Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. there are occasional times when I would get frustrated, but it's more as oh holy shit, he had that card, I had no idea, or you know, oh she just put Hobgoblin on Cosmo. That's that's me retreating instantly. Good job, Rowan. Um, that's kind of like, I mean, that's that's a, there's a skill expression there in regards to, excuse me, there's a skill expression there in regards to, uh, what do you want to do with your deck? You know, not, you're right that not every, not, not you're, you're playing your own game or you're playing against your opponent or you're preventing your opponent from playing their game. Those are, those are three different types of things that you can do Mm -hmm. with the deck. You can absolutely play games where you are not playing against the opponent. You're you're just playing your own game. As long as you get your cards, nothing else matters. But then there are there's those those ones that that. like where Mm -hmm, you're actively trying to stop your opponent from playing with Storm or 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 Juggernaut is one I really enjoy. Um, Stuff like that. And so there is that there is the the there are those those types of decks that you can play that really let you as the player kind of choose the thing you want to do and enjoy. Right. Like, how are you going to approach this game? It's not just a case of, I I think actually the comment about watching the player take their turn is also very important there because snap plays simultaneously, right? It's, it's put your cards down and then flip them over uh, unless something like daredevil gets played. But for the most part, it's put your cards down, flip them over and so you're kind of playing at the same time as your opponent. And there's there's, again, a more more of a feeling of interplay that isn't necessarily like I'm going to punch you, then you punch me. <laughs> That's going back and forth. And it it also like there there's a great thread from Brody that I think uh, everyone who likes card games should go read. That was about Quicksilver and how they designed Quicksilver. That was about like the turn one conundrum. Like, how do you deal with the idea of mulligans? And first turns in games, and they just made Quicksilver. And not only does that kind of teach you, okay, here's what you know, you will always have a turn one option if that is the kind of player you want to be. Here's also what the downside of that card is going to be, and and doing that is going to be, and it kind of evens out in the simultaneous play that they have, and it just all feels like a more I don't know, communicative, almost social, weirdly, even though there's no chat, there's no voice chat, you have like emotes and stuff like that. But I feel like playing cards back and forth in Snap, I have more of a back and forth with the person that's on the other side of the phone from me than I do sometimes in a game like Hearthstone or Artifact, where I'm just playing things and going through the motions. I don't know if that's just a weird thing for me or not. but No, I think that's that's a useful thing to do, and it's why or a useful way to think about it. And that's why the, I, I keep recommending people not use America Chavez, who I, I love the character, a uh, big American Ch- America Chavez fan from way back here. Uh, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like the card you heard it here, is, Rowan's a patriot. <laughs> yes. I love the lesbian. Um, the, the card, she comes out at the very end of a game on turn six, and she's like slightly weaker than the Hulk, who's kind of the default turn six card. Uh, but she will automatically always be there on turn six. And I'm like, I hate this. This is the opposite of how I want to play. This is not a good 
not a good way to use this card because that means she can't ever be buffed. That means she can't ever be played early. That means she can't ever like have something strange happen. She's just this very direct put down on turn six and you get nine points and nine points isn't even that much when you start getting to the higher levels uh, or even against the Hulk. Um, but it's very interesting because some people are like, I really like having that comfort of America Chavez popping out oh. on the last turn. I mm-hmm. definitely want to have that. And I'm like, nah, I need to, I need to get her with, I need to get Hulk with Nakia. That's gonna, that's gonna make my life better. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just a, it, there's a psychological, what, how do you want to play? Do you want to play Quicksilver Domino in America Chavez? That's probably not going to work against any deck with a combo, but it does feel good. It does feel like you're creating a nice little deck for yourself. But, and I also love that America Chavez is then also a card that I use in some of my decks as a way to ensure that I'm not going to draw a card I don't want on turn two or two or turn three, right? Because there's so many times when I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for a combo to pop in and I'm like, oh, I drew Hulk. Like, is that going to be yeah. good on turn six? Yes. Is it going to be, Is does it do anything for me right now? Absolutely not. And so in in decks like the discard deck I was running for a while with Apocalypse, I ran America Chavez in that for a while because that way I either get Apocalypse and my discard combos early and I can get them rotating through or I'm guaranteed a turn six draw of Chavez who is one full power higher than if I just drawn Apocalypse unbuffed. And so there's so many little interplays that happen there that it really does feel like this is a a game that is fine tuned for those little decisions and how you build your deck and how you put these things together. She she's also good for Dracula in that way. Yeah, it was, it was a America nice Chavez. apocalypse deck. America's good for Dracula. You heard it here, yeah. folks. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Well, the other thing that that I think sets this apart from Hearthstone, other than the fact that it's shorter matches, um, is that there is like a higher baseline randomness with the locations to where you can end up in a match where it's just like i got three locations that are really bad for the deck that i'm playing and so i'm probably gonna lose and that's obviously you know counterbalanced by the fact that you can retreat because it's like okay well that was that was stacked against me but okay um Mm -hmm. I, i only lost one cube um but i think it also encourages you to make more decks and to not always just run you know, the same deck over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it it uh, it makes it so even if you are running the same deck, it's not going to play the same every game. And you start getting into this. I mean, they do these meta cycles where it's like, oh, this location is going to pop up a lot today. And I feel like that's directly to encourage you to be like, oh, OK, well, I'm going to make a deck specifically based around the mm-hmm. idea that I know that location is going to be very common which might get you to use cards you've never looked at before. Um, it's it's very much encouraging experimentation, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I think is is also really cool, kind of maybe not directly visible, but it's clear that, you know, when you think about it, that that's what they were going for. Hmm. Or so you can just play Scarlet card? Witch. Well, that's what i was gonna say yeah or you scarlet can just witch. play scarlet witch which is yeah, my scarlet, scarlet witch rhino like zap. Um, i don't mind rhino i think scarlet witch is a coward's move 
Oh, okay, no, okay. no, no. All right, okay. Rhino doesn't bother me. Do I rebuff this. Wanda. Play Rhino all day. You know, even it up. But Scarlet Witch is the coward's way out. No, oh, no, no. Wanda no. Maximoff is for the Mario Party players out here who oh, see God. our location and say, I want this to get messier. Yeah, I want this to get worse. I, I, get, I get three boring locations. I'm like, let's see what happens. It's um, great using it on a location like halfway into the game. So, yeah. you know, it's, so it's one where something's cards. already happened and you change it's- it. There's so many interesting combinations of things that you can do with locations and cards at any given moment. And Scarlet Witch is just like, I want this game to be more boring. No, no Scarlet Witch is, I want this game to be chaotic. I want this game to shift in ways that no. we don't understand, which is very Wanda. Uh, <laughs> you know, my, my favorite Scarlet Witch play is to, to play her on, on Limbo on turn six. It's just like, yeah. oh, you thought you had another turn? Well, guess what? I just won. So all the land destro stuff on turn six is like <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. I gotta get Oyana. What is y'all's favorite uh card? Like just in not not necessarily what's the strongest card you have, but what is your favorite card in terms of like design and, and attributes? I'm curious. Oh, I mean, is it cheating to say Agatha? Because Agatha's pretty good. <laughs> I don't think it's <laughs> cheating to say Agatha. I don't Agatha's understand hilarious. it. I don't, Agatha's hilarious. I mean, yeah. I think she's hilarious. terrible. But, you know? She is. She is statistically the worst card in the game. If you have Agatha in your deck, that's the most, like, the highest predictor out of any single card that you're going to lose. So, for, for those at home, for those I at agree. home who, who don't know, uh, Agatha is, uh, starts in your hand and plays your cards for you there's a location in the game actually that also does this uh, i think it's ego will we'll take yeah. over the game and play for both players but agatha is infamous for being absolutely terrible but i've seen people try to build decks around her to put things like jubilee in where you can potentially get agatha out of your hand at some point or or have like discard things or stuff like that to then I mean, when Agatha is on the board, Agatha is a six cost, 14 power. So it's stronger than Hulk. But there there's something there where I look at that and I'm like, that is so niche. That is so (laughs) single use case. But oh, if it if it works, oh, God, it's it's fantastic. It's wonderful. So I I love that kind of design uh, from like a broad standpoint. She she also eats all your boosters. If you draw Agatha, there's a 100% chance that you will only get Agatha boosters uh-huh. in that match. Uh-huh. Agatha kind of works. I think I think that Agatha is like again, Agatha is just like is just ruining one person's fun. Ego as a location. Now that <laughs> is a fun spot. Ego yeah, says nobody gets to control fun. shit. The yeah. game's terrible AI is going to do it. That's why I do think there are bots. <laughs> Because Ego's AI is exactly as bad as these players that we think are bots. It is just dog shit. It does not understand anything. <laughs> and it's just like, I'm just going to play whatever. I don't care. Well, it's like um, Code of Honor. Both both players need to snap if Ego comes up. Mm-hmm, like, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, just, you, you gotta, you gotta snap. Let's just uh, see what happens. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Hulk, because I think Hulk is actually a really good, interesting card in like the game teaching you because hulk's the most exciting card to play when you start the game he starts mm-hmm. in your deck mm-hmm. at the beginning he's your big six uh six energy 12 power put him on the deck he screams hulk smash the entire thing shakes it's very it's very rewarding to you know the little mouse eating the pellets um 
but <laughs> at a certain level, the game becomes like so intricate in creating these combos, like, you know, people trying to make these early Kazar decks uh, that have all the one power things. You just slam Hulk there. Hulk will flip whatever. And like, if you, mm-hmm. if you can flip a location on the last turn, you have a strong chance of winning, like no matter what. That's uh, just sort of the way the game works. It's uh, I described it as the um, oh god, I can't for I can't remember the the thing. Uh, Is the Monty it, Hall problem? Yes, the Monty <laughs> Hall problem. Yes, where uh, if you have three doors to choose from, uh-huh, you pick the uh-huh. new door, even if you know that you can win behind the other door, or you know that you can't win behind this door. But it's you always Monty put Hulk, Hulk at the point where it's most likely to flip something <laughs> that you didn't know was it. That the, your opponent might not have even known was going to flip. Uh, so it's just really fun to like have all these intricate decks be created, have all these things that, uh, you know, someone's tried to build up their power across all three locations and mm, maybe like mm. eke out a one point victory on all of them. And then you just now Hulk smash, Hulk yeah. fucking smash. I, I love it if there's an empty lane and I can put Iron Man there on turn five. And it's like, am I going to play Hulk there next turn or I'm just going to leave <laughs> Iron Man by himself? You don't know. You don't know what I'm going to do. But um... <laughs> You don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> Brian, what's your favorite card? Uh, I, I really do like um, Destroyer. I think it's a cool card, mm-hmm. um, both thematically, but also like it's fun to play. Um, I really like the, the, the Cyclops card only because the art is that Jim Lee style. 90s cyclops um i am hoping that we i mean i've said this a couple times but the thing i want really badly is like a x-men blue team x-men gold team um set of cards um from from the 90s that that would be Mm. really nice um because Mm -hmm. that's the kind of stuff that i like um will we get it i don't know uh it's kind of an old man thing right like i don't know if i don't know if ben brode's team gives a shit about old people who enjoy the game more than other people but that is something I would like to see. That's something With that's that... worth bringing up is the variance in this game rule. Like I've, mm. I haven't spent too much on variance yet, but the ones I've gotten so far, I love like there's a Jubilee anime style variant. I have. That's really, really good. There's a Mr. Fantastic. I already pulled the trigger on that is just looks so cool. And I, I do think they've done a good job of getting some cool variants in there, even though I'm not a fan of the pixel ones. I thought they, the pixel ones would be animated have... much cooler and they're not yeah. which is disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, the the pixel ones I think suffer from like the the default gray borders, and they get a lot better when you start upgrading them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think mm-hmm. the the variants for cards or characters who have like a specific like place in time that they're from in comics history, there there are some pretty good variants there. Like there is a Jessica Jones that looks like it was drawn by Alex Maleev, written by mm. it's it looks like it's specifically a cover, or maybe it is the cover of her graphic novel. Um, there's an America Chavez drawn by Jamie McElvoy who or McElvey, who did the uh, new Avengers run a decade ago with Karen Gillan. That's like, this is what made America Chavez a thing. Like she was a character before that, but this is what made her worth putting in Dr. Strange. This is what made her worth having like on the cover of the, on the splash screen of this game. Um, so they're, they're doing a pretty good job of like getting some of those characters that like, yeah, here's the shit that, I really want to, you know, know as a as a person who knows Marvel history, like I want to see 
I would love to see a Wolfsbane that uh, has the Bill Sinkowitz style um, or Morlock when he comes up, especially. But like, I've, yeah, yeah, those, yeah, those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, this yeah, kind there, of brilliant... you can do so many cool things with yeah. Warlock and Cipher. I don't even the the design there is just that's that would be wild. But I'm just talking about the aesthetics. Uh, yeah. The think of its new New Mutants run is uh, you know one of the most aesthetically important runs in Marvel history, and I would like to you know have that show up in the game. I don't. I, I, there are only two New Mutants I've seen: uh, Sunspot and Wolfsbane, but. Uh, you know, there's there's lots of room for Marvel characters. Another thing that we we haven't talked about too much with this game is that it it goes deep in the bench. It does. Um, it really does. You know, it's got Onslaught, who was a big crossover bullshit thing from the late '90s <laughs> that like was too everyone was too embarrassed to do anything with again for 20 years. That's one of the decks that you'll get in the first 30 or 40, or one of the cards you'll mm-hmm. get in the first 30 or 40 is in pool one. Um, Hazmat from um, one of the younger Avengers, I think, God, I forget exactly what what her team was called, but a 2000s teen Avengers book. Uh, I liked her a lot, and she's there as a card that is very difficult to use properly, but it's cool that she's there and like that I'm not just instantly overwhelmed with Black Panther and Thor and uh, Black Widow and, you know, all the Avengers that we see on the movies. There's lots of lots of deep cuts and lots of rooms to expand as, as Brian mentioned, like there are so many X-Men who aren't in this game yet. I can't believe the brood got a variant <laughs> like the brood. Right, right. <laughs> hey, the brood, the brood have been used a lot uh, in the last 20 years. The brood were uh, the thing that like brought Ms. Marvel or Carol Danvers back in as Ms. Marvel, like because she was in the X-Men um, so like uh, when New Avengers was trying to bring her back in as like the Wonder Woman of Marvel, uh, oh. this might no this will this would be like eighteen or nineteen years ago, but they were there. The Bruins were also the key they... villains in X Men Legends Two, which came out in like two thousand five or two thousand six. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's what this game frequently reminds me of. Is I, I'm not a huge comics person by by any stretch i and most of my marvel education did come from games like x-men legends and marvel ultimate alliance and that's how i learned about a lot of characters like moon knight and stuff like that was just by being like wow moon knight's really busted in marvel ultimate alliance i think i like this character uh and it's cool that there's so much room for people to discover these heroes and gravitate towards them and then maybe start to look up you know what are they from i i like the look of this character a lot like what is this character in there's a, like like a, a good marvel game in those moments can pull that kind of trick on you to be like this character who may not be a thor or a captain america is actually kind of cool and you might like them a lot and it gets you to kind of look those things up by making them just fun to play and use in the game yeah, yeah. this motivated me to get the new ultimate alliance game finally um, I still so haven't played. I, I, I loved the first one, but I have not played the new one yet. Um, there was a second one as well that. Uh, yeah, the, that one actually maybe, got like super it was expensive. No, no, it was. I, I, I think I've only played the first Ultimate Alliance. 
Yeah. The second one got super expensive really quickly. It was one of those things where, like, I think it was maybe released towards the end of a console cycle or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then people got really excited to play Civil War, like the super fans. So they went and bought up all the secondhand ones. So that one was actually really difficult to find. I still haven't actually played Mm. it, but they did put it out on Xbox uh, pretty recently. So you can maybe find it on sale at Christmas for five bucks or whatever. Um, And then Ultimate Alliance 3 is the one that they released for Switch a year or two ago. Well, that kind of gets into uh, the last topic I had written down, which is the monetization, um, which honestly, I think this is probably my favorite way that I have seen a free to play mobile game monetized. And it it very much, I think, could only work with a property like this, like with Marvel, because like the thing, the main thing that you actually spend gold on which you do get a little bit of gold for free every day so you don't you technically don't ever have to spend money but like some of the variants cost an amount of gold that you know it would take you months if you just mm-hmm. click the free gold every day to get enough to get a certain Credits variant that are free every day the gold you have to progress there is some as you're you right progress, it's yeah, yeah it's yeah. in this it's yeah it's in the same it's in a column yeah yeah. I see what my brain did that was wrong there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, the monetization was really cool until the update about an hour and a half, an hour and 50 minutes ago, at which point there's now a $100 apocalypse bundle that gives you a variant and an avatar. Ooh la la. Oh no. Well, oh geez. They had had issues with microtransactions and the monetization in the beta, but they've right. already made like five, what was it, like $15 million in their launch month? I'm not not going to sit here and fucking play grab ass with a, with a card game as if it's like being generous to me. No, but it, it is like, so like the main, the main thing that like costs real money is variance, right? Yeah. So, and, and there are other free ways to get gold. Like sometimes you'll get it from leveling up your collection. It'll be in a collector's cash or something. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's like, Oh, they're, they're so benevolent and generous. Um, but I can say I've spent exactly $22 on this game. And I don't feel like I need to spend a dollar more. I mean, you know, I might the- see like an Odin variant that's like, oh, that's cool. But it's like, I'm not going to spend 20 bucks on it, though. Um, the thing that I think makes the makes the monetization work in this game, especially as opposed to a, a Marvel Puzzle Quest, which I got super into for a while, mm-hmm. um, is that it doesn't feel like you are falling behind too much if you're not paying money. Uh, paying money like feels like you, it makes it a little easier to deal with like some of the valleys, uh, like just not having credits, not having gold, whatever. But like you're still largely able to do most everything that you want to do. Maybe you have to wait a little bit longer. Um, so like, as I mentioned, I, I, bought, I bought both of the battle passes and I threw down $20 in gold. And mm-hmm. like I threw down the twenty dollars in gold like four weeks ago, and I still have that cushion now. Of if I want some quests to get more credits to upgrade my cards, I can do that, or I can wait for a variant that I really like, or whatever. Like it's it's relaxed me, and a lot of free to play games are like, okay, if you're not spending money constantly, then you're gonna fall behind, and everything is going to be terrible for you. But this game is it's nice. Yeah, I. 
I hesitate because I, I do agree, like every free to play system in some way needs to make its money. And like Marvel Snap does eventually make its money for for people, whether that's just getting a season pass or so out of you or it's you know, getting you to to pony up for some variants. I do feel like everyone I know who has been like, oh, the monetization system is great. I've also put money into it. That's that's telling. But also it is a game that I do feel like if you're going to be free to play or at least like not be you're not going to be overly pressured to spend in ways that I've absolutely played other games where it's like, Oh, if you're, if you're a paying player, you get to buy better ammo and things like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, People it's have complained about the, the battle pass, but I think the battle pass is very reasonable. I just want to say yeah. that. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I think a lot of their, here's the addendum, right? I don't know how many of you were familiar with the, the beta, but there was a really shitty, terribly monetized event during the beta and it was so bad that the player feedback was like 100 percent negative mm-hmm. everybody hated it and it was because of them trying out you know testing the waters with really fucked up monetization that they realized where the limit for people was and you know it's one of those things where it's like it's always it's always like oh they're not going to be this bad they're not going to do this but that's because they're already trying other ways to make money they're already looking at like ways they can squeeze every dime out of you this isn't altruism and it's like they they fucked up once in the beta with the monetization but i absolutely believe they will try to go that way again maybe not exactly that way hopefully not because they were basically charging people to participate in an event but i'm certain that they will find a way to find money and and take it out of you uh, one way or the okay. other they had gotcha in the beta, right? That's what I've heard is that you yes. could just you could pay money to open a pack and get like a random card. Which they, they had a they had an entire event that was like pay only for a lot. It was a lot of money. Like you had to do the event to get a currency, to roll a gotcha, to get a variant. But if you paid money, you could skip ahead and do other stuff quicker. And if you if you spent you know enough money, spend enough money, you get it right. Um, that's the gotcha mechanic. But if you don't spend enough money, uh, or you're just unlucky, then you're just unlucky. Sh- shit mm. out of luck. Yeah. 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 Whereas, I, you know, I yeah, like now it's like you pay ten bucks for your season pass, and that just basically accelerates. You get a card, you get a variant, some variants, and then it accelerates how much other currency you pick up in that month because like the Mm -hmm. quests for the season pass will move i don't know if it's even possible to complete all 50 levels of the season pass if you're just doing the daily quests i guess you could spend gold to just keep getting more quests but at that point you might as well buy the season pass um yeah i feel like it's reasonable right now but brian i also totally see what you're saying it's like yeah, they're a company that wants to make money, so we need to yell if they <laughs> if they do mm-hmm. some nonsense like that again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bro- Brody has like given interviews where people he's like, "Yeah, people are telling us we can make so much money, more money out of this, but we don't want to like offend our players that much, and we're getting plenty." And it's like, "Okay, buddy, let's see, <laughs> let's see how long this goes." <laughs> like yeah, at a certain level, yeah. saying that helps you believe that, um, but. 
I don't, you know, I don't know this guy's personality. I don't know the corporate pressures that are going to be on them. Uh, but, you know, they're saying the right things now that it has launched, even though I know that it definitely had major problems with beta things. Yeah. I just well, read the patch notes and it said that Onslaught is no longer going to be exponentially increasing when you put him on things that improve ongoing cards. Yeah. What? Because if, if two people <laughs> did the math bug at the same time, it would actually crash the game. I know yeah. that was my goal. Why are they doing this? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can't, you can't that, crash that the game anymore. That is a little odd. Uh, uh, um. Well, they also the, nerfed Destroyer, Brian. I saw one point. Uh, you know, yeah. Honestly, probably worthwhile to do that. I'll have to look this up. Um, I haven't. So, I haven't read them yet. Yeah. The, the last thing I wanted to say, and this sort of ties in a lot of the other stuff that uh, I've been talking about in terms of like meta progression and like motivation to play this game. We've talked about like how nice this game is basically, but at a certain point, the game is so nice that it kind of loses some motivation. Like I don't, I don't feel like I have that much incentive mm. to get better. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I have that much incentive to do anything other than my daily quests, other than the joy of playing the game, which happens sometimes. But if I go on a losing streak, I lose that joy. Um, I think this game would be really well served by having like guilds and group events. I think Mm -hmm. that something where you can chat with your friends and do some kind of quest together that motivates you all to play and everyone gets a cool variant or whatever, something like that would be really, really helpful for just playing this game for a reason beyond, uh, getting the next card on the collection cash. Um, that would be my my big recommendation. Um, it should not go to the level of uh, what Marvel Puzzle Quest did, where it would have these insane events that you had to like spend two hours playing obsessively every night. Uh, like that's a, that's a balance that needs to be found. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, social elements would improve this game a lot because... It is nice, and it would be nice to do things that are nice with your friends, too. Yeah, it is nice to do nice things with your friends. Like podcasts about card games on your phone. Um, Yeah, it is like like the the, we we talked about the account ranks, like the seasonal account ranks, like the, the bronze, gold, silver stuff at the very beginning. And it is interesting because like if you get to gold and you get your avatar for the season, like you've gotten almost all of the stuff that is missable. And like the next thing that you could earn that is missable is not until infinity rank, which is rank 100, which I just feel like I'm never going to get to. So it's like, "Mm, yeah, got gold for the season, got my avatar. I don't really, I don't feel motivated to try and push too much beyond that. Cause I mean, like some extra credits and stuff is nice. Uh, I think you get gold at, at like rank at like, league seven or eight or something like that but uh or 70 or 80 or one of those uh i'll tell uh, you that 50 to 60 has been 50 to 60 is probably the 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 big stopping point i think yeah it's rough it's rough at that at that stage (laughs) yeah i've gotten to 56 and then dropped back down to like 38 (laughs) so i was just yeah i went on not all at once but you know I fluctuate a lot. You're not alone. I went down to 45 from 55. So, you know, it's yeah. it, it happens to the best of us. 
Yeah. Um, Eric, do you have any thoughts on where you would like to see Marvel Snap go or what could be added to it? Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously just new cards is, is always a good thing. But uh, I I am interested in seeing what they do with the friend battles. And I think they've talked a little bit about it, that they're going to have like kind of this hit point system going back and forth and the way that you snap back and forth. I think that's kind of a cool idea of of taking the snap mechanic and keeping it while even in a casual setting. Uh, I do the the esports sicko mm-hmm. brain that still somehow resides yep. in me, even though I tried to excise it. Um, I'm, I'm with you. It, it, it does sit there and go like, what would competitive snap look like? And I even a part of me wants to go like, oh, could you do a draft mode with this? Could you do like some sort of weird stuff with this game? And I I kind of want to like I say all that just to say I hope they keep it fairly centered on what it does well and don't try to like own the world with it right away. I think that's actually a thing that Hearthstone did after a while was Hearthstone would have something that kicked up in popularity and that they, they chase that thing like a dog chasing its tail. And I do like some of the weird places that Hearthstone has gone, but I think it's also like fairly indicative of that game that one of its most, honestly, it's most popular mode now is completely different from normal Hearthstone. It's, it's a completely separate thing. That's their like battle Royale type mode that, it's really more of an auto battler and it's, it just feels very different from that game. And, and what original Hearthstone was is not really there anymore. And so I want Marvel snap to retain a lot of the stuff we've talked about here today. The idea that you're playing with this really tight, interesting rule set that is going to be fun and be imaginative and be malleable, but also not balloon too far and not turn into this thing where I'm playing like 15 minute, 20 minute games and going yeah. slug fests or, or trying to do some sort of weird, like, okay, well you're going to play five games in a row now. And if you, if you win three of them, you'll advance to the higher tier. And I, there's, there's some level that that might be for some of the more competitive players, but I like that snap has felt very casual and very, it's allowed me to engage with a card game that is stimulating and interesting and, fun to play while also not requiring hours of my day at a time i yeah. i think when you said esports i just imagined like a game seven for the world championships of marvel snap <laughs> and ego drops and i'm like yeah well, that's, yeah that's the thing like because like if they're gonna do it as an esport i feel like you would have to change up how locations work because no, it can be no. so swingy like it do it. You would have so to ban swinging. locations like Ego, no. but I think yeah. that like 90% of the locations would work. That said, it would be kind of like doing, you know, an esports Mario Kart. Someone's going to get a blue shell. Someone's going to get a bar yeah. sinister for their yeah. the perfect deck for bar sinister. Um, so that's just that's just how this game works. And that's what makes it so fun for those of us who are not esports types. But it probably limits its overall, you know, capacity for being played professionally and that's fine not every not every competitive game has to be playable at a professional level as other games have possibly shown potentially from blizzard and other not every game 
can or should be an esport. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't we don't have to to force the thing. And so yeah, that's that's definitely why I wanted to I, I love the the Mario Party ass shit that happens with this game. You know, yeah. I, I love the moments where it is clear that like chaos is going to reign and we're all going to have a fun, goofy time and get points at the end and it's over. It's done. You know, I get my boosters, I move on to the next. And yeah, as much fun as it would be to see some people play mind games with bringing different decks and and having to like think about how they were going to play against an opponent. I also just think that that might detract from the overall vibe of it. Brian, did you have any hopes and dreams for the future of this game? Hopes and dreams? Uh, it's not really my forte. Um, <laughs> I'm more Whose like is it? That's this point. And yeah. Explosions, but yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I have my personal ambitious shit, which is like, I hope that they don't just go for the MCU nonsense. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, this mm-hmm. this game does, mm-hmm. you know, I, I watched interviews with Ben Brode and he talks about how authenticity matters and, and having comic characters that represent specific moments in time in the comics matter and stuff. But I also want to see that more than just like whatever the new MCU film is that's out. Like with the Black Panther film, obviously Black Panther is great. The second film exists and um, there's <laughs> characters that are really great in there. And I, I love that they went with the OG Namer look because I, I like that look, even though I like the new Namer look as well. Um, but, but you know, there's there's hundred years of, of comics to work through there. We haven't seen anything. I don't think I see anything Silver Age. Uh, or anything like, is there? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, oh, no, Kazar, like most, most Marvel is Silver Age. Kazar oh. is Golden Age. Sorry, Golden Age, but art style wise. Oh yeah, art style. Yeah, I you know, I would like to see. There's like a Kazar variant from the future, and I haven't seen any others. But yeah, I'd like to see some Kirby Crackle. I'd like to see <laughs> yes some Schlock. Um, I definitely want to see uh, you know Cipher and Warlock. Um, but I think that I think that like uh, greater than myself thing. I want to see better events. I want to see more interesting events. I want to see better. I want to see a, lo- a location event that isn't just oh now this one adds rocks you can't destroy. Like the I think that's just kind of a was underwhelming worst. as fuck. Uh, vibranium, y'all. Like you could have done some other shit. You could have done an underwater thing. I, vibranium mines is not interesting in my mind. It's not an interesting mechanic. It just works into their vibranium event, which also uh, wasn't interesting. And so it was like a double un- uninteresting event. I thought the carnage it actually one, didn't work into that. The vibranium from the event had absolutely oh, right. nothing to do with the vibranium they're in just, the cards. They're just boring. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I want better events. Uh, and I think that's probably the easier to execute on thing than anything related to cards individually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I want them to be yeah. themed around cool stuff. I want an Akrosha event. I want a uh, Annihilation event. I want a... Yeah, annihilation. I mean, they, we saw the we saw Silver Surfer. I didn't see Tenebrous. I didn't see the other um, entities, uh, Eternity stuff like that. So uh, that is my thing. And I know I'm. I'm, I'm There's I'm, lots of room in every direction. Like I think all the main Avengers are there, but other than that, like oh, Mister Mister Marvel's not there. Nor is Marvel. Who is Mister Marvel? Uh, you have to go way back to like '90s adventures. Isn't that DC? Isn't that Shazam? No. Well, mm. so no. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. He there was a lawsuit between 
the DC <laughs> guy and the, <laughs> the Marvel guy about a Marvel guy. And they ended up killing the Marvel guy and then made Captain Marvel Carol Danvers. This is a long thing. No, no. They oh, wait, made I'm thinking six of Power Man. other Captain Marvels. I'm thinking of they, Power they Man. Had, they had uh, died, Spectrum. Spectrum was Captain Marvel for a while. Uh, that fucking, that fucking like dude. The Captain Grant Marvel. Morrison. Yeah, no, he died. And then there were like six other Captain Marvels before they were like, we should just give this name to Carol Danvers since well, she was his sidekick. I know we're getting that off track, but wasn't he killed off because of a lawsuit with DC, if I remember correctly? Um, I have seen him like resurrected in certain events. Uh, mm. but I think they might, they might not call him Captain Marvel in those events. They might only call him Marvel, but, uh, yes, he I was think... killed off. That's one of the most famous, uh, most famous deaths in Marvel. And one of the ones that has stood the most other than like alternate universe or zombies or whatever. Yeah. Or the Reavers from 1991 X-Men when the Sentinels yes. killed all of them. <laughs> Rest in peace, Reavers. Didn't. <laughs> Didn't Mr. Sinister have cloning tanks with all the Reavers? I think so. I think their deaths were No, that was the dead. Marauders. The Reavers were the cyborgs who are in Logan. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah I have I don't, no I don't, idea what's happening yeah. anymore. I mean, yeah. I was like, I grew up on like 90s X-Men cartoon and the 90s Spider-Man mm-hmm. cartoon. Mm-hmm. And then I got into ultimate stuff in high school. But I do not have nearly the level of like deep Marvel knowledge that these two do. If they but, want to um, tap my Marvel nostalgia, they should start putting characters from Marvel versus Capcom into this game. <laughs> so they go. should really put like Jill Valentine in this right. game. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. yeah Everyone loves Mero and Blackheart. Here, here comes Captain Commando. He fits right in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think that we could probably talk for another hour on this game because there's just so much like little interesting stuff with it. Um, I think we'll probably wrap it up there. Um, Eric, since you are our, our our new guest, do you want to plug the other stuff you do? Hi, I'm Eric. Uh, I work during the day over at Destructoid, where you can find all my writing and stuff. And uh, at night, you can find me over on Axe of the Blood God alongside Cat Bailey and Nadia Oxford, and o- also over at Norm DFM alongside Ken Shepard. Uh, the former is an RPG podcast where we talk all about rpgs and also sometimes avatar the last airbender we just wrapped our specials on all of that and you can find all of that there uh and normandy fm is a retrospective podcast where we cover games uh in their entirety like a book club we just I, as of this recording we have finished recording our cyberpunk season it is still gradually rolling out into the new year and then we'll be starting our near series but as the name implies we started with mass effect and went on to a bunch of other stuff like final fantasy 10 uh the last of us jade empire dragon age a bunch of stuff so you can find me at all of those places or on twitter at cmoosey brian what do you have going on lately oh uh uh, my name is Brian, a.k.a. Chef Lubu. You can find me on Twitter at Chef Lubu underscore ATL. You can find me on everything as Chef Lubu, basically, if you want to see me on co-host or Hive or, or any other social media things. It's Chef Lubu. No one has stolen my name, weirdly. Um, I'm everywhere. If you want me to be on your podcast, just ask. If you want to pay me money to do things, that's cool, too. Um, <laughs> I, I can cook. I've been a chef for a long time. Um <clears throat> And uh, give Colossus his mustache back. And that's it. <laughs> it's my whole spiel. 
Uh, Rowan, you've been going through a, a, a major character arc lately. Yeah, I had heart surgery. I am recovering. I am able to podcast again, which has been about a month. So that's fun. Uh, when I get back going, now that I can podcast and watch movies, you can find me at Total Massacre, uh, which is an action movie podcast. And Brian and I are going to uh, make an X-Men podcast of some kind. We've we've made the plans. Oh, yeah. Everything is set in stone, except Heck for yes. what exactly we're going to do, how and why. Just talking um, about X-Men cards. As we watch civilization slowly crumble, what is there to do but start more podcasts? Especially about the X-Men, the most post-apocalyptic of all superhero teams. There you go. Um, Yeah, I mean, you can find me on this show. I'm also Tilfolkvong on Twitter. Uh, Three moves ahead is host. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, for as long as it lasts. Um, Then we'll figure out where we're going after that. Uh, Three moves ahead uh, is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. Uh, if for some reason you need to fall back to forums because your other ways of interacting with people uh, don't exist anymore, uh, idlethumbs.net slash 3MA. We have some forums there. Uh, also on Twitter at 3MA for the time being, at least. Um, uh, I think I've made that joke three episodes in a row now, so probably <laughs> might be time to retire it. Um, Good things come in threes. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We're also supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash 3MA. You can get access to bonus episodes. You can get access to our, our Discord, another potential lifeboat. Uh, if, if your favorite social media platform uh, disappears underneath you. Uh, Dwarf Fortress Succession Game is something that we're talking about uh, at this point. I think that'll be out a couple days out on Steam a couple days after you listen to this. Um, and yeah, that's gonna do it for this week. So Dwarf for Fortress Rowan, should also be our next show. I believe, yeah, I believe it will be. Yeah, depending on how things get shuffled around. Um, I still need to find time to play more of the Steam version because I've beep, beep, so beep, 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 Breaking news. Breaking news. If you go into the app, there are some artists uh, credited finally on the art, as well nice. as a 90s nice. variant rogue that has been data mined. Uh, I will Ooh. be sharing that with the team after the call. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So for, uh, for Rowan and for Brian and for Eric, this is Len saying goodnight.